Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're talking post-award conferences and contract kickoffs with Shelly Hall. Shelly is a former government contracting officer with over 30 years experience and a current Skyway team member. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisitions. Check out skywayacq.com to learn more and let's get started. We're talking post-award conferences, contract kickoffs again, and this is a topic we've covered before, but today I'm revisiting it with our friend Shelly Hall. Hey, everybody. There you go. A post-award conference is is a meeting face-to-face if possible, especially for large programs, between the principal people involved in a new contract or or project between government and industry. And it's sort of the same (laughs) outside of the GovCon world, right? You hold a post-award conference or a kickoff, huh, kick it off, as soon as possible after the contract award. It's the start of the project. And you do this to clarify expectations between the parties and, more importantly, to build the relationships necessary to bridge any future issues. All right, Shelly, tell me a little bit about your experience with post-award conferences. I'd be glad to do that for you, Paul. You know, my jam was service contracts, but I did have the opportunity to do a lot of complex supply contracts. So I think what everybody needs to know is that every service and or complex contract should have a post-award conference uh, kickoff because it's just important. If you've got a very complex supply contract, that can be just as important as uh, going through a service contract. If the government doesn't require one, ask for one anyway. I do notice with some of the new contracts, there is a clause for post-award conference. They're not including that, and they're not doing post-award conferences, and it's leading to a lot of misunderstanding. So you can ask for one. Say, contracting officer, let's all get together and sit down. This is where the contractor and the government can set their expectations. Contractors can ask uh, questions and get clarifications, especially in a competition where a contractor's interpretation of the SAL and the government's interpretation of the proposal may differ. And I've had this happen as I go into a post-award conference where we're doing a line-by-line review and, you know, we get through maybe the third paragraph and it's very clear that what the contractor thinks that they're supposed to do is not what the government Oh, they said they wanted them to do in the statement of work. And so this is when this is when you ask these these questions. So fully understand the government's understanding of the requirement. You know, you want them to tell you, well, what does this mean? We we want you to do this. And it may sound like something simple, but you want to know that whole requirement and what they, you know, what they're what they're looking at. It's so difficult to write down exactly what you mean. There's so much opportunity for misunderstandings. If you actually walk through the statement of work or the requirements or whatever you're talking about line by line and say, what do you mean by this? Or just start big picture, like like you described there. Big picture. What are we trying to do here? When they just say, this is the object, this is the objective of it, in in English, not, not by scribing it out in uh, word processing software or PowerPoint charts, you get a different understanding of what they really meant. You absolutely do. And one thing that's interesting that I found is, you know, there's a lot of uh, players, (laughs) 
So the program manager, you want him in the room and or, but you want to have all the players in the room because they may even have different interpretations <laughs> of, of what they want. Yeah, I've absolutely had that had that happen where even within the government team, you have the kickoff meeting and the users didn't quite describe to the acquisition team what they needed. So they're surprised when the acquisition team says, congratulations, we awarded the contract and here's your new contractor. And the contractor says, here's what I'm going to do. And the users say, well, that's kind of what I wanted, but that, that's not quite it. Well, that's what the contract says. So there have been cases where the contract has been canceled before it even gets started and others where there's some slight alterations b- before you even really get going. Yeah. And, 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 and like I said, especially in a competition, you have to be very careful because that's um, what the contractor has bid to. That's an important point. In a competition, the way the government conducts competitions, they lock down communication where it's really, here's a document, read it and respond with a proposal for what you think it means. And then we'll evaluate the proposal. And at some point we'll actually talk about this after award, or we won't talk about it. We'll just say you didn't win. In the non-government world, there's a lot more back and forth between the parties to make sure there's understanding of what those requirements are. So government competitions make it even more important to have a post-award conference or kickoff. And even if there are no disagreements, even if there are no misunderstandings in the documentation, this is that first point to make uh, to have a relationship, to, to build a relationship, and your first chance as a contractor to make a good impression on your government customer. There's other reasons to have uh, post-award kickoff that are more administrative in nature. Yeah, and there's and it's funny to me that you know sometimes um, you'll get three or four months down the road in a contract, and a contractor will always call the contracting officer and said, "Why haven't I get paid? Uh, you know, <laughs> there's, I haven't been paid." And I said, "Have you submitted an invoice?" Um, no. And then, you know, what I always want to do is say, wait, I'll connect you to the psychic payment department. Um, but um, I didn't do that. I almost said that once to a contractor because they were just being really stupid. But anyhow, uh, so you want to make sure you know what to submit to get paid because it, it may be a simple invoice. It may be a DD-250, which is a completion of work kind of a form, um, acceptance of work form. And um, it may be all kinds of different things. Yeah. There may be a deliverable. And how do you submit it, right? It, it, that's That can be difficult for contractors too, especially small companies where they're just used to emailing an invoice to someone and then it gets paid. Well, they may, that contractor that, that uh, you were going to refer to the psychic uh, payment department, they may have just emailed their invoice to their core or COTAR who thought, I don't know why I'm getting this and just ignored it, right? The, the government process is you have to upload that invoice to a system in order to get paid. But a contractor may be completely oblivious to this if they're new to the government contracting world. Well, yeah. And they, again, if, you know, if you're going to do a scrub of the contract, there should be something in there that says very clearly now, I, I will freely admit to you, the clause that speaks to um, the electronic invoice submission system, the wide area workflow, is so convoluted. I've read it many times, and I don't know that I could submit an invoice, but <laughs> but but you should be able to call somebody and they should but ask that question. What do I need to do? To yeah, the help desk for wide area workflow is actually quite helpful. They will walk yes. you through it. They've been through all kinds of problems. They. they they actually are, and they will do that, and they will help you get your list. 
besides getting paid, what other administrative info should you cover during a post-award conference or a kickoff? Get get info for all the POCs. You know, there's going to be a program manager, a contracting officer's representative or some equivalent. Um, You know, they call them a lot of different things, but it's the person who's going to have direct oversight of the work, but they can't direct the work. Right. Um, The contracting officer who, of course, can direct the work and the contract administrator. And And I'm going to tell you, the contract administrator can be your best friend. That CEO may not have a lot of time to talk to you. That contract administrator, they live inside that contract. And so they are super, super important to know who they are, their email, their phone. Despite that, they are super important for the activities related to your contract, but it's important that you understand who can actually give you direction. And we all know only the contracting officer can provide direction to change the scope or the price or the delivery schedule, even though you're most likely to deal with a contract administrator or a contracting officer's representative in your day-to-day business. If you have a problem, who you call first is your COTAR core or your contract administrator. Like you said, the contracting officer has a ton of contracts that they're in charge of, so they may not be as available. So if you have a problem, you need to know who you call first. And if it doesn't get fixed, who do you call second? How do you work up that chain? And that's the kind of thing that you discuss at the kickoff, the contract kickoff. We've already talked about this a bit, but any question you may have about the contract, about what the expectations, this is the time to dig into it. Whether it's technical requirements, whether it's payment requirements, like you said, whether it's deliverables, the government needs to provide context for what they really want. And industry needs to provide context for what they plan to deliver. And when you say those things out loud, you may find that that they're not quite as in alignment as you expected. You know, one of the things that you said there is, you know, the contractor may have one POC for a contract or they may have 20. So they've got their quality guy. Right. And that's who you talk to about quality or girl. <laughs> Don't want to be, you know, uh, they've got, you know, their contracting person in-house, the industry person. And, you know, and so it can really get very convoluted between, you know, between how many people the industry side has that are going to be talking to the people. Good point. In the government, there's only a few names that that different roles are called. In industry, every company can have different names or titles for for the same same job. So it's important that both sides share who does what and why. We always link these topics to the acquisition time zones and the execution time zones, and this falls squarely between the two. At the end of the acquisition time zones, the government has awarded a contract, you have a contract kickoff, and you're off to the races into the execution time zone. So this is right on the cusp between the two of them. Back to why this is important rather than when it happens. As I said, I think just a few minutes ago, you know, it kind of takes a village to manage a contract. It's it's just, it's not... Um, the minute it's awarded, the contractor becomes part of the acquisition team. That's very important to understand. There's no use having an adversarial relationship because that's not going to get you anywhere. So everybody has to be working toward a common goal, which really helps if you've done this kickoff and everybody knows what's going on. The, the mission or your business, maybe both, is going to be affected if the government and the contractor have different ideas on what the contract requirements are. Yeah, that's the important part. It, it's all about the mission. The government wants the mission to be accomplished. The contractor 
wants to accomplish the mission so they can get paid. But if things are going poorly on this contract, it's going to impact the mission, which is going to impact the government and the company because you, you can't perform poorly on a contract and not expect to have it impact your, your business. And if your expectations are clear, you rarely have to look at the actual contract and certainly won't have any lawyers involved. It's not that we don't like lawyers. It's just that once they get involved, then you've got a problem. Right. I've talked many times about the CEO of the first company I worked for when I left the government. He told me right up front, if if you're doing this job right, we'll rarely see each other. He, he just didn't want to have to be bothered by contracts issues. And and I think that's what you were just saying there, right? If 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 you get this kicked off correctly and everyone understands what's expected, you're unlikely to have any disagreements and unlikely to ever have to talk to the lawyers or the CEO or be briefing generals if you work in the DOD, explaining to them why the mission isn't being satisfied. <laughs> Starting off on the right foot is always the best practice. But the other, the one thing I want to say that I don't think we have maybe said so far in this is, you know, you know, we can argue about price and we can argue about how long it's going to take something and we can argue about the process. But what you really need to understand is that end user, that boots on the ground, airman or marine or, whatever, you know, or whoever's waiting for that you know, PPE equipment or um, whoever's waiting for the result of what your service is providing. It's important to understand that it's the end user that you're trying to satisfy both industry and government contracting. It's that end user and them getting what they need. It's not all those people in the middle, although it's nice if you make them all happy too. And there are cases where the contract itself requires you to do something that isn't going to satisfy the end user. And that's a fail for everyone involved. The end user isn't happy and the acquisition government acquisition team isn't happy. The contractor isn't happy. Nobody's happy. So this is why we stress these post-award conferences or contract kickoff meetings to give us the best chance of actually satisfying the users. The most successful contract kickoffs I've been a part of actually include the users. It's not just the government acquisition team and the contractor's uh, proposal team learning what happened or the contractor's project manager learning what happened. It's actually the user saying, here's how we're going to use it. This is why it's important. That gets everybody fired up to satisfy their needs. From the government side, mission satisfaction is what matters. Industry wants to do that because it leads to other good things. Why else should the industry folks care about holding a post-award conference or contract kickoff? Well, first of all, you don't want to become one of those contractors. Right. This will be noted on your permanent record. You and I have uh, recorded several podcasts about CPARs, Contractor Performance Assessment Reports. And that's how the government permanently records, this didn't go well, I'm not happy. And that affects you, industry folks, on future government competitions. Yes. And that's leading up to the, the next thing is, you know, if you meet or exceed the expectations and perform well on a contract, that's going to lead to better performance ratings that are going to be used in future source selections. Yeah, this, these are the intangibles that come with doing well. It's not just that you got paid. It's not just that the user was happy. It's that it helps you win future business. Leaving a trail of happy customers behind you helps you gain business in the future. And the government, unlike the non-government world where customers may find out about 
find out about your performance on the internet uh, just by following the star rankings. The government has a very structured system, the CPAR system, for recording customer satisfaction, for recording their satisfaction. And it's somewhat protected against the one-off angry customer giving you a one-star rating, right? There's a feedback mechanism where, where you can debate and even negotiate what your actual assessment was for a contract. And again, we've talked about those on other podcasts. You said before something that I think is really important, Shelley. The contractor industry is part of the team that will ensure mission success. Once that contract is awarded, the contractor and the government acquisition team work together to satisfy the mission, to satisfy the user in the end. And that mission success is linked to your business success. If that end user is delighted, they will come back to you over and over again. Even if the acquisition team wasn't super delighted with your performance, if the users demand that they get more of what you do, you'll end up with more business over the long term. And um, it's important to, as we've been saying, just decide early to communicate and listen. Yep. You know, it doesn't have to be a formal post-award conference kickoff, which is what we've been talking about. It's you're just sitting down in the office for an hour reviewing the sow. Zoom calls, if you've got people in different, you know, geographical locations, it's important to communicate, but it's just as important to listen to what they're saying. Yeah. In- industry folks tend to fall in love with their solution. They've, they've written a big proposal and, and that it's exactly how they want to do it. And it's, it's pretty common for them to stop listening once they've won to, to what the government customer is saying to them. If you decide early that you're going to listen more than you talk, you'd be surprised at how much more smoothly a contract can roll out, be executed. All right, Shelly, why don't you summarize this for us so we can wrap this one up? Well, it's, it's really pretty simple. A post-award conference kickoff meeting is a first introduction of all the members of the contract, the program manager, the core, the CEO, the contract administrator, and the contractor. So start off on the right foot by understanding expectations, ensure you know all the POCs, and ask questions. Both sides ask questions openly. Make sure that the words written on the page are translated into actual understanding rather than leaving it to six months later, you're arguing about the definition of a single word that, that each side thought they knew what it meant, right? Get those expectations out in the open. And with that, Shelly, thanks for joining me today. And I'll talk to you soon. It's always a pleasure. Bye. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition, where you can get training and custom consulting from Skyway's team of former contracting officers like Shelley Hall. Visit us at skywayacq.com or give us a call at 877-884-5280. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week.